This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Here's Speroni. He rolls the ball out to Cannon. He's got options in front of him. He picks out Thomas. This is a nice-looking move from Palace. That's a neat ball to Ambrose, where space on the right. Good turn. He crosses into Johnson! Oh, yes! Back of the nest! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Back of the Nest preview podcast. I'm your host, Terence Ford of redandbluearmy.co.uk. And a special hello if you're listening via the new Spotify option. On this show, we look ahead to the visit of 10 wins in a row, Arsenal to Sellers Park. Albert is on holes this week, so substitute. Patrick O'Connor stands in alongside Sam Heskiff to review the late loss at Goodison Park, preview Arsenal and talk Jordan Much, the sun coming up and Gabriel Barbosa. Let us jump right in. Yes, we're back for another week of previewing. Um, gets easier and easier in the Premier League, doesn't it? I love these sort of runs. And to talk about it all today with me is all the way from across the Atlantic, Patrick O'Quana. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, mate. Um, it's all going a bit crazy over stateside. So you thought you'd come on and talk about Palace and get some normality in your life? Oh, yeah, mate. If I want normality, I always talk about Palace. <laughs> and of course, Sam Heskiff is also in the background. Hello, everyone. Now, you just run off and got a beer because it's taken us so long to start this. You've already finished one beer already. I have. So um, I said it last week. I'll probably say it again. We'll see how I end up at the end of this show. <laughs> and what is it? Same as always. I'm drinking a Moretti again. And Patrick, you've got a fake beer, right? I've got an apple and Eve apple juice, mate. Okay. Um, that's obviously an American <laughs> brand, so we don't have to worry about exactly. that. Um, in all my disasters from getting home from work, um, I couldn't get beer, so I'm actually drinking a red wine. I don't know um, don't know what that posh, means. Posh, I think it's posh. a, it's a, it's a re- red Sinvandel from um, California, apparently. More soda misses tells me. It's quite nice. <laughs> uh, right, so... <clears throat> After the Everton game this week, uh, Danny Gabadon, remember him, helped us get promoted, did well for the couple of seasons that he was with us. He said that Palace are just a striker away 
from finishing seventh, which is quite a bold statement. Um, use Burnley as an example. Um, it's like, are Palace any worse than Burnley are uh, last season? And he's probably got a point there. And with that in mind, Gabriel Barbosa, a Brazilian striker who Inter Milan bought for 30 million euros, has been linked. Heskiff, tell me how this isn't going to happen. Well, <laughs> so normally you would say 30 million pound striker, gone to Inter, obviously got some pedigree. They're not going to drop that much money. Top club, history of good strikers. Why Palace, you know, in with a chance. Well, let me just say, he's so good that his name Gabriel has been changed to Gabrigol Barbosa because he scores that many goals. So, what, you know, what a pedigree. What a pedigree. So, Batistuta was called Batty Goal, wasn't he? So, he's obviously in that ilk. Why Palestine with a chance? Well, let me tell you why we actually might be in with a chance rather than why we won't be. Um, had a quick perusal of Wikipedia and a few other sort of internet sites. Um, £30 million striker can't buy a goal. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Um, so, by all accounts, he, he went to Inter for £30 million. He scored one goal in 30 games, I think, something like that. Um, went to Benfica, you know, another team who have a history of good attacking players. Uh, played 13 minutes, 1-3. Uh, and then he went back to Brazil. So, I think the only reason we might not get him is because he can't get a work permit. But other than that, he's a striker who can't score. So I think he's a perfect match for us. Oh, the good old football manager denied working permit problem. Um, yeah, he's gone back to, I believe it was Santos he was from, and he scored 29 goals this season for them. So he obviously owns it in Brazil. But Patrick, he'll just come and join the banter list of strikers, won't he, if he signs up for Palace? Without a doubt, mate. It's not even, a, it's, it's, Sam broke it down so well. He'll come here and do absolutely nothing. If he goes to a top league, he's done nothing in the two leagues he's been to that have been decent, Portugal and Italy. So I, I can't wait for him to sign up, to be honest with you. I can't wait for him to come here and score no goals for us. <laughs> and on big wages as well, I'd imagine. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, <laughs> someone who never scored goals for us, but um, cracked in an absolute thunderbolt from 35 yards this week. <sighs> Our good old friend Jordan Much. Um, Patrick, this was over your... Your side of the water, was you as surprised as I was when that flew into the top corner? Okay, here's my MLS breakdown. Are you ready? <laughs> Jordan Much is scoring in a league, right? That I would say is about between League One and Championship level. Wayne Rooney's come over here and he's absolutely dominated our league so far. He's dominated the league. He's been so, so good. He's going to take DC United, which is a very ordinary team, to the playoffs. Zlatan's come over here and scored goals that you wouldn't even believe, but that's Zlatan for you. I'm telling you right now, Jordan Much has gotten no better than he has been left Palace. He's in a league that is a total joke. And listen, I love the MLS. I really do. I'm a big, uh, you know, Red Bulls fan. But I'm telling you right now, if he scores goals like that, you can guarantee the league is not that good. So, Jordan Much, stay over here, please. I beg you. <laughs> Somebody said to me, well, we did have about 10 minutes to line it up as literally nobody closed him down. Exactly. Uh, but- my response was, it It took him two years to line up a go at Palace and he still didn't manage one. So. <laughs> uh, social media this week. Um, <laughs> I won't say what you text me and said, Heskiff, uh, when Steve Parrish tweeted a picture of the sun, but talk me through it. 
Yeah, so uh, it, it was um, every week we try and find, you know, something funny or something, you know, weird or whatever, you know, punching a mascot or, or something like that. Um, this week, after we lost to Everton, which really wound me up, which um, I'm sure we'll talk about at some point uh, in the near future, um, I wasn't feeling much better on Monday, uh, but I saw our esteemed chairman post a picture of a sunshine emoji with um, at least the sun shining, hashtag CPFC. And I think he did it. I'm not, I can't confirm, but I think he did it just to wind me up. Uh, just uh, specifically you? Yeah, I, I reckon. <laughs> I reckon. He singled me out with this one. Uh, it, it just. It was just a bit annoying. Like, you know, we had the, what if the sun doesn't come up comment from him last year, year before, and that sort of wound people up and then Benteke got injured. And now it's like, you know, we've we've played crap and we've lost in the past against Everton. I actually thought we played pretty well, you know, stuck to our game plan, could have taken a point, but lost. So that's even more frustrating. But at least the sun's shining. <laughs> and I also read that when I was at work, so I wasn't happy. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think it was a hark back to the time that he said the sun will come up. Now, was that was that on, well, formerly Homesdale Radio? I think it might have been on that that he said that. May well have been, yeah. In that, in that famous Hambo interview where he didn't ask him any of the right questions according to half the Palace world. But um, yeah, it was, um, it did make me laugh. As soon as I saw it, I was like, that is definitely going to wind up Heskiff. And then within like two minutes, he had sent me a message just raging. So, it's um, the, it's the, the preview pod psychic level that we're on now. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm thinking. <laughs> right we've got a packed show this week so we're going to end that there and after a short message we're going to be back to do a review of the everton game back of the nest match preview podcast www.backofthenest.com right of course um hambo is in vegas uh, I, I don't know what he's doing now. I assume he's on some sort of stag deal he's been reliably informing us that he's losing at the craps table and uh, you know, snipe scene's not working on the roulette table, but he seems to be doing all right on blackjack apparently. So at least he's going to come back with a shirt on his back still. <laughs> but um, so there was no review show this week. So we'll cover off a bit of Everton. Uh, Patrick, I'm going to start with a weirdly positive question. Um, was this the best performance of our season so far? Um, I guess for 87 minutes, you could say that. I'm not sure about the last three or four, we gave up the two goals, but it's just so frustrating, Terence. It really is. I mean, uh, it's a kind of match where, you, you know, you, you put that forth the effort, you've got a chance to take the lead, possibly, you know, push push on. You know, we're not scored a penalty and then we end up losing. It's just frustrating. Um, going back to, you know, other performances this year, we've won two matches, we've lost <laughs> six. So I guess if you're looking for a positive, I guess you could say one of our best. But again, just having, just losing that game to Everton in that way, really leaves a really it just it just has me I'm still upset about it I really am yeah <laughs> I can tell um yeah I'm I, I honestly um made the trip up to uh, Everton which is a uh, for a Sunday it's a long old journey when you got work the next day um and one of the rare occasions where I watched Palace sober <laughs> um and I genuinely thought we were excellent um I thought 
Kiate played played really well in the middle, broke up Everton's play quite a lot, um, got us away on the counter attack. I thought at times our close interlinking triangles looked really, really good. Although a lot of the times they did sort of tackle each other and get each other's away quite a lot, but um, I thought it was excellent. Um, Kiate obviously hit the bar. Tompkins put a good chance wide. And um, Hennessy, obviously, when he was called upon, made the save that he needed to make from uh, Gilfie Sigurdsson. And um, we obviously get the golden chance from 12 yards out. And uh, Luca misses his second penalty of his Palace career. So the question is, Heskiff, is Luca still on penalties for you? Yeah, he is, but probably more by default than anything else. I can't really imagine who else is going to take one, to be honest. Maybe, maybe Kiate. Now, this, um, is this not a bit weird, though? Because I was trying to have this discussion with a friend of mine that why Wilfred Zaha can't strike a football. Why, why can't Wilfred Zaha take a penalty? Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I just don't want to be disappointed with Wilf. <laughs> I love him too much. <laughs> that's um, a great answer. It, it, it was, <clears throat> I mean, that penalty was sort of a microcosm of his season so far, really, where it's like, you know, the things that you expect him to do because he was doing them effortlessly last year, he just hasn't really clicked with it. And I must say, like normally, even the one he missed against Man City, when it, when he steps up for a penalty, I just assume he's going to score. I'm really confident he's going to score. But on Sunday, I don't know if it's just because, I mean, I know I'm fairly negative anyway, but because of how the season's been, I just thought, oh, I don't know if he's going to score it. And it wasn't a great penalty. And, you know, unfortunately, it was sort of... It, 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 we, I don't know what it was like for you in the stand, but when he missed that, I just thought, oh, that, this is it, isn't it? You know, they're going to they're gonna go and get a result, uh, you know, late on, which they did. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, I'd have, I'd have, I'd have Luca on penalty still, but, yeah, it was, a, it was a disappointing one, to be honest. Yeah, when the penalty was awarded... I I just didn't celebrate anywhere near as much as I normally do when we get a penalty. Certainly not as much as Harvey on Red and Blue site did on that video that's been doing the rounds. But I just had a feeling as well. Um, And I don't know if my negative vibes got into Luca's head. I'm not sure it works like that. But of course, it's it's one or two inches away from being the perfect penalty, which again is probably the microcosm of his season in terms of just everything's just a little bit like half a yard off basically and um we've obviously talked about it a lot whether it's not having Kabai next to him and with you know going over old ground there but um I get the impression that Luca's a bit of a fighter so hopefully he'll be able to turn it around but um I don't know if a little bit of time out of the team might do him some good or I I don't know what the solution is going to be but something certainly needs to change in the middle of the park there for Luca um you said that it was inevitable that they was going to score late there, Heskiff. And on 66 minutes, I think it was, when they brought on Cenk Tosson, um, it was obvious that he was going to score, uh, having failed to sign him in a couple of windows and then Sam Allardyce to then actually snap him up at Everton instead of at Palace. I just felt it was inevitable he was going to score. But Patrick, that substitution certainly changed the game, didn't it? Change, saw Everton change their shape. And um, from that point on, we were just completely on the back foot. It was all three, really, wasn't it? Calvert-Lewin and uh, Lookman's subs, they all changed the game. And it's just, you know, I'm, I'm going to go there. It's so frustrating to watch other teams consistently make subs that change the game and Horsham just sits there and doesn't do anything. I mean, 
Another frustration from the match was I know he put in some really good crosses. You mentioned before about the cross that Tompkins missed. It was a great ball over by by um, Townsend. And now all of a sudden we're putting we're putting balls into guys that can't head the ball. <laughs> you know, there's no Benteke there. Solov, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if he would have, you know, we're just putting ball, great balls in now to players that don't head the ball. We're playing without a central strike on, on Sunday and we're putting in great crosses. It's so frustrating, but you're right. Going back to Everton and, and their subs, I absolutely knew that both... Well, not all three, but I knew two of them would score goals because it was inevitable that, again, other teams make changes that change matches and we just sit there and wait. When we come on with about two minutes left and we're down 2-0. It's just very frustrating. It really is. I mean, and that's going to be my pet peeve. Sam mentioned the thing about how Parrish does things to wind him up. I swear Hodgson's trolling me on Twitter with his lineups and then he's failing to make a sub until 85 minutes every single match. It's really, really starting to get to me, as you can tell. Yeah, because I speculated in my match report whether, you know, will Hodge, if we had scored the penalty, would Hodgson have made changes? So then I looked, I looked back into the games that we've led in this season, obviously Huddersfield and Fulham, and nope, there were no changes. There was, we made, um, I think it was three changes in the Fulham game, but they were all forced. So I think there was a couple of injuries and then, um, in the 88th minute, Kuyate came on and it was already 2-0 by that point. Exactly. And in the in the Huddersfield game, he made one substitution, which was Schlupp coming on for Townsend, I think, in the 88th minute again. And that got on my nerves even more because Schlupp was on my bench, uh, was in my fantasy team. And if he hadn't have come on, eight <laughs> points would have come off my bench. Exactly. So, <laughs> so it was like he was trolling <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, obviously, um, there's frustration there from a lot of people, and especially on a weekend where substitutions made a lot of difference across the Premier League and earned teams a lot of points. Probably more so than most weeks, but you know, substitutions have very important parts to play. But on the flip side, and looking at it from Hodgson's side, Heskiff, does he turn around and look at that bench and think, who who am I bringing on here? And, you know, it's. Kai Kai's on there, Punchin's on there, Wickham's been out for two years, he's on there. Is that is he looking around and just thinking there's no one here I can trust? Well, if he is, I don't think he should. Um, in particular on on Sunday, um, I think, you know, I, I agree with what Patrick says. <clears throat> it, there, there are times I just don't understand why he's not making a change, if only to bring on fresh legs. Now, I think that he should have changed things against Newcastle because they switched it up at half time and basically sat out the draw. And against Everton, when they changed it, we didn't react to it at all. So I either want to see Roy react to the other team's changes or else, you know, make be proactive for our own tactics. And I think, you know, it's not an exciting substitution, but if you were to bring Punch on with 15, 20 minutes ago, um, He's not going to do much going forward, but he'd probably be all right in the ball. Um, he'd cover the fullback well enough. You know, it, it's a change, so he just got a fresh legs for 20 minutes. And I think if you look at Wickham, you know, he's brought him on with two minutes to go at 2-0 down. I mean, if he's good enough for two minutes, he's probably going to be all right for 10. So I think you can bring him on with 10 minutes to go and just say, look, just run about, be, a, you know, across their defence, try and win some headers um, and see what happens. Because... I mean, there's no point bringing him on when we're 2-0 down with two minutes to go. You might as well just tell him to, you know, go back into the into the change room and have a shower or whatever. <laughs> um, so it's, it's frustrating because, you know, yeah, you say, well, Kai Kai's in the bench and, 
you know, Jordan Ayers on the bench. But you can bring someone on with 15 minutes ago, even if only to have them not be tired. And especially when Everton bring on, you know, a Lookman or Tosin, like you say, or Calvert-Lewin, they're going to run around. So if you're knackered and you've got someone like Lookman running at you, you're probably going to struggle. So you might as well, you know, just, just use the sub just to have some fresh legs on. Yeah, well, exactly. If, when Everton made the change and brought Tosin on, after that point, Everton had eight shots on goal and we had zero. So the change of shape completely changed the game. And you, the reason I say that is because you picked up on there was no reaction from the bench. The game clearly shifted and there was no reaction and there should have been something tactically done, even if it's with the same players on the pitch, but it didn't happen. Um, Jeff Schlupp just... I don't know whether it's because he was tired or whatever, but just gave up on defending. I saw loads of clips on Twitter of people just recording their TVs of him just walking, literally walking for around about 12 or 13 seconds at a time, which, you know, you just can't do that on a Premier League football field. And um, that made me think a few other things as well in terms of Hodgson wants to play a very intelligent style of football. He wants a lot of interchange and movement. And, what I'm seeing at the moment is a lot of our players running into each other. So um, for the second time this season, James McCarthy has wiped out one of our players. He did it to Patrick Van Arnholt at Bournemouth. He did it to James Tompkins in this one. Um, you've got Andros Townsend constantly running into people and you've got Jeff Schlupp constantly running into people and <laughs> Zaha and... Patrick van Arnholt more times than not actually messing up the bits that they're trying to do down the left. So I I don't know if we have the players to be playing the style that he wants to play at the moment. And it makes me worry, especially with the lack of substitutions, that there is no plan B. And you absolutely need to have a plan B in modern day football. Take a look at Jose Mourinho, for example. You know, he's even someone who was brilliant in modern day football and won loads of trophies, how quickly the game's passed him by already. And, you know, sitting 10th in the league with Manchester United making complaints that, oh, I've only got Paul Pogba and one matter and Anthony Martial and Lukaku and blah, 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 blah. The list goes on. And you can just get left behind if your tactics are wrong. And these are, early, are still early signs to be getting on Roy completely. Um, I'm, I've been surprised to see that people are saying they want him out. But... I think he deserves a little bit more time there and hopefully he'll learn and you can treat, teach an old dog new tricks. But um, yeah, I'm, I do have some concerns there. And Patrick, you talked about the crosses before. This is something else me and Sam were raging about this week where um, for most of the season last year when he was playing, Benteke peeled away to the back post and Andros Townsend drilled it to the near post. As soon as Benteke started going near post, Townsend started floating him up to the back post. <laughs> and now in the last few games, the amount of crosses that Townsend have put in that has been perfect for Christian Benteke at the back post. And obviously there's no Benteke on the field. So hopefully they can bring all that together when Benteke returns in January, whenever it is. And Townsend can put in some of those crosses and Benteke can get on the end of them. Anyway, I'm ranting. That was a huge rant. Um, we'll finish with man of the match. Uh, Heskiff, we'll start with you. Oh, bloody hell, I wasn't ready for that question. Uh, I thought Wan-Bissaka was good again. I, I think uh, it's the default answer at the moment. I, I was going to say, yeah, even if even if I you know, was just plucking a name out of air, it's probably a safe one. Um, actually, I thought, I, thought, I thought Tonks was quite good, quite solid. 
Um, I'll, I'll just go Rambasaka. It's an easy choice, isn't it? <laughs> Patrick? Yeah, um, I like both those. I, I'll probably go with Tomkins also, but just quickly on Rambasaka, you're just right. He's the default, he's the default one. And you, I take him every time. But this is the funny thing about him is that if not for Ward's injury, he we've never heard of this kid. But I, I'm telling you right now, he would never gotten a chance under Hodgson. So people want to give Hodgson uh, grief. It's the truth of the matter is, Juan Bissaka fell into his lap. And I really wish that uh, somehow, some way, a couple of other kids could fall into his lap and, and show something. Because we need a spark. He gave us a spark last year. And I hope we can find someone because we need another spark. And I don't think he'll get it based on performing well in the 23s or the 18s. Someone's going to have to get hurt, unfortunately, and get forced into the, into the, um, the first team because... Um, but I'm I'm rambling now, and I would say Tompkins again. I thought he played it well. He always is pretty uh, well every game. By the way, yeah. Um, and I think next to Sacco, who sort of just fell apart in the last 15 minutes of that game after having a fairly decent game, like he kind his performance stood out a bit more. Um, for me, uh, not many people talked about this. I actually saw some people slagging his performance off as well, but. Um, I, I, when Basaka was man of the match for me, absolutely. I think it was such a mature performance against a team that likes to get their fullbacks forward, playing up against someone who's come from Barcelona. Um, he dealt very, very well with um, Bernard in the first half. And then, you know, they tried to switch him wings and the players who switched over, he dealt with, I've mean, done a really, really good job and very, very mature performance from him. And um, But I thought Chep Kiate was absolutely a monster in the middle of the park. I mentioned him further up and, I, he he has to be a starter now for me, but um, we'll talk more about that after this. Back of the Nest Match Preview Podcast www.backofthenest.com Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Back of the Nest Match Preview Podcast. www.backofthenest.com Right, so unfortunately no opposition this week. Um, he's having technical difficulties. This is becoming a common trend, but thanks to Kenny Ken for trying. We'll get him back on for when we visit the Emirates later in the season. Right, we're going to start this with a couple of stats. Heskiff, Martin Atkinson's the referee in the game on mm-hmm. Sunday. Yeah. Arsenal, in this decade, Arsenal have played... 17 games away from the Emirates when Martin Atkinson's been the referee. Right. Two wins, four draws, 11 defeats. What? Those two wins, both against Sunderland. Bloody hell. We're still going to lose. So mortgages mortgage on a Palace win? 
I'm trying to sort out a mortgage at the moment, <laughs> mate. So uh, I'm not. I don't think I'm going to take that bet right now, to be honest. <laughs> but I mean, it's funny how those things pop up, um, and obviously, no one's mentioned in that. This was out of an Arsenal piece I saw somewhere doing research day. No one's mentioned that uh, since we've got promoted to the Premier League, Martin, Martin Atkinson's been the. Um, the referee at Sellers Park six times and we have two wins and four defeats. So Patrick, do you think this is just a random trend or you think Martin Atkinson's got it in for Arsenal? I'll let you know after Sunday. Um, <laughs> um, let's hope so. But like I so said, I'm not very, I'm not very um, optimistic about it, but that's a very promising stat, by the way. I had no idea it was, it was that bad. Long may it continue because I hate Arsenal, but, um wow Sunderland it's amazing um I'm, I'm actually I'm quite shocked at that stat let's again I know our record isn't great with him but it's not that bad as, as Arsenal's is so again let's just hope that we can pull that better hat but I'm not I'm not optimistic I don't care who's refereeing the game <laughs> yeah I mean I, I think it's one of those weird ones and obviously Arsenal struggled a lot in later times away from home under Wenger so it's a completely different different scenario now under Unai Emery so yeah I I think we're clutching at straws there shall we say Um, James Tompkins has been talking to the press this week and he said we can challenge with the big boys and we've come close a few times against them so it's not all doom and gloom Um, do you share his optimism Haskiff? He doesn't listen to this podcast does he? (laughs) Bloody hell um, I don't, no, I don't share his optimism. I, I, I think what's really disappointing at the moment, the position that we're in now, is that we had on. I know football is not played on paper, but on paper, that the start of the season was fairly <clears throat> favourable to us. I would say, bar in Liverpool, maybe. Um, but we just haven't. I mean, we've not made the most of it at all. Um, yeah, great, we've beaten Fulham and Huddersfield, but we should be beating them really. But to, to to not score against a lot of teams that we should be beating means that now that we've got this run of four games against like four of the big boys, oh, I'm pretty worried to be honest. Um, I think our, our confidence probably isn't very good. Um, and even though, I, like we said, I think the performance against Everton for 85 minutes was a good one. You know, we had our plan and we set it out well. And yeah, if Luca had scored the penalty, we probably would have gone on to win. I, you know, I, I just can't see it happening against a team like Arsenal. Um, obviously, Tonks isn't going to come out to the press and say, we're crap, we're going to get bad. But I, I can't say I share his optimism, unfortunately. <laughs> it's a shame, really. I wanted to have the Arsenal fan on to have some optimism on this podcast <laughs> because Arsenal are obviously in incredible form at the moment. Um, Patrick, against Leicester on Monday night, their third goal, uh, Aubameyang second actually made me stand up out of from my sofa I was so just amazed at what I was watching um, do you think we've got any way we can cope with that any way of Arsenal playing that sort of football it's difficult isn't it I think are they are they 10, 10 matches undefeated now in all, in all competitions it's and that goal you talk about 10, 10, win, 10, 10 wins, wins. Was, sorry, right, it's 10 with the league cup and the uh, uh Europa League yeah 10 wins um and that goal you, you mentioned it you know pre-show nine players touch including the goalkeeper it's an absolute brilliant goal I think it's actually better than the um goal that Ramsey scored that they lord about I mean yeah. it was a brilliant goal absolutely it's a brilliant goal and it's just 
the way our luck, because we don't have any right now, our luck and, and meeting a team like that just just doesn't bode well. But I want to throw a couple of things out at you because I was I'm looking at this at the um league table now. We're having a serious problem obviously scoring goals. We've scored five goals. But you know how many goals Wolves have scored this year? They've scored nine. And they are now ninth on fifteen points. They've got twice as many points as we have. They've let in eight, we've let in eleven. So it's obviously our problem is scoring goals, but it's not like we need to score twenty goals. We scored two or three more goals during this whole season. We could have got probably picked up another seven, eight points. It's like really fine margins. And that's what frustrates me, as um, Sam was saying, is that if we had just beaten these teams that we played that were so poor, the Newcastles of the world and, you know, earlier, if we, Bournemouth, I mean, these teams aren't any good. And now we're going to run into this. We've got this great run coming up with these tough teams, United and Arsenal and Tottenham, Chelsea. It's gonna, it's it's just frustrating because as a Palace fan, you know you're used to this because we always struggle. But why why every single season? You know, it's just it's just frustrating. I'm looking at another stat now. I'm looking at our record against Arsenal. It's three wins, 24 losses, and nine draws. Are you joking? Three wins in <laughs> 94, 1980, and of course last season. Was it last year? Or two, no, two years ago, right? But the game, two years ago last year, they won the Cup of Ice with that great goal. Right, two years ago. Yeah, two years, two years mean, ago. What are the chances we beat that team again on Sunday? Hang on, wait. We beat them in night. We didn't beat them in night. No, ninety four. Sorry, two one away. And in nineteen eighty, the yeah, team in eighty beat one nil. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, crazy. yeah. I mean, that's, that's yeah, three that wins. Was... <laughs> that's ridiculous. <laughs> that's laughable. I, I was at, I was at two of those as well. The two one was my first ever game in nineteen ninety four. And uh, oh, it went really downhill did. from there, mate. <laughs> If I, I think that was Ian Wright's hundredth goal for Arsenal that game as well, um, and then uh, yeah, obviously the three nil from a couple of seasons ago. So I, I missed that three nil game. I was in France in my mum. Right, here, here's the thing. I've said completely seriously, I will never see Palace beat Arsenal in my lifetime. <laughs> and then jokingly, when I was away, because I knew I was going to miss the game, and. Um, I actually watched it when I was over in France and I was like, I bet we win. I bet we win today. And even my mum was like, don't be an idiot. <laughs> yeah. She gave birth to me, but she told me, don't be an idiot. Um, <laughs> and then we won 3-0 and I was like, but this, my life is jinx. Yeah, well, this is Lee Ayers on Twitter said, I've never seen us get a point off Arsenal in 45 years. On the odd occasion, we have done something against them. I've managed to be away on business or for the recent 3-0 on holiday. I'll be there on Sunday. Sorry, lads. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. I, I'm, with, I'm with, what's his name? Lee Sorry. Ayers. Lee, if you're listening, I'm with you, mate. I'm going to be there on Sunday too. So we can, <laughs> we can split the blame. Uh, and I, I know you're quite a, old Heskiff, but 45 years, he's got some years on you as well. So, um, yeah, so I'm not quite that old. <laughs> Thankfully, not yet. I'm, I'm sure you're a very sprightly 45, uh, Lee. <laughs> Uh, he's young mate he's, he's young yeah well you know Patrick you're, you, you've been drinking from the uh, fountain of eternal youth I think so um, appreciate it mate appreciate <laughs> it I've seen your goal swing it's like a 30 year old <laughs> <laughs> uh, right Wilfred Zaha up front now um, Billy and our producer was talking about earlier They there was a lot of talk about this on the FYP pod and lots of talk about how most of our wins last season came from with Zaha up top. Um, do we stick with it this week, Heskiff? Um, I think we have to, um, just because of personnel reasons, and I think we will. 
because of <laughs> because of Roy, and he doesn't want to change. But you know, we were discussing it earlier when Billion mentioned it, but we both, and I'm sure Patrick probably agrees that when Wilf plays on the wing, that's when he's the most dangerous. That's when you, as a fan, get excited. He's going to do something. And, you know, even in recent memory, when, when we were playing him up front last season, um, we switched him to the left for that Watford game and he, you know, bamboozled them a couple of times and we ended up winning the game. And I saw, I think it was on Sky or on Twitter, I saw somewhere sort of a, a map of where he has his most touches against Everton um, and against Liverpool, I think it was. And it was all on the left wing. And, you know, the, the, the point of the article was, and I don't even think it was written by a Palace fan, um, the point of the article was if, if your best player is at his best in this one position, then just play in there. Um, and, I, I, you know, I don't doubt that he can play as a striker. He, he's definitely improved and I feel a lot more comfortable with him up top than I did like two years ago. But when he gets the ball and he's running at a fullback um, and he's, you know, taking them on, I always think he's going to beat him. And um, in fact, it's sort of on a similar note, Joe Walker, um, our mate Joe, who's been on this show a couple of times, um, he was tweeting something about the, the number of uh, taken on defenders of each team. And Will's not even our number one anymore. It's Wan-Bissaka. And, you know, part of that might be well, he's playing up front, so he's not directly running at fullbacks. But another part is like he, there are times when he seems a bit hesitant to do it now um, and it sort of stunted his game a little bit. Um, so personally, I want to see him on the wing to get the best out of him. Um, and I think until the point where we can play like Connor Wickham, and it's a massive ask, obviously, up front, I don't think he will. So, yeah, it's tough. I mean, against Arsenal, it's 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 even harder to say because... You know, going forward, they're very, very good on the ball. So I'm probably not going to see much of it. So if he sort of hugs a touchline and we just pant it up the wing, then even if he's playing up front, that's probably what we'll have to do anyway. Well, the key, I think, is going to, if we're going to get anything out of the game on Sunday, it's going to have to be from getting in behind our fullbacks when they're bombed up the pitch. Now, obviously, Arsenal have the layer of cover in their two defensive midfielders that play behind. But I fancy. Zaha up against Torreira, I think his name is, or Xhaka, either of those two, get him running at them as often as possible and try and get them on yellow cards or whatever. Xhaka has definitely got a red card in him, so on. You know, there's teams, historically teams that have bombed our fullbacks on in the Premier in our recent Premier League era, we've done really, really well against them. So if we are going to play in that 4-4-2, it has to be a case of Townsend and Zaha both pulling wide as much as possible and, you know, the other one getting into the penalty area and as when to try and create that chance. But I think there will be, <clears throat> we'll get chances against Arsenal on the weekend because they, all of this, all through this run, they've had lulls in games where you can actually get at them and their defensive frailties are still there from, and they have been for all of the recent years. Um, I'm not sure of that Leno goalkeeper as well or Petr Cech anymore. So I think you can definitely get at them. And um, But what's going to be key to that, and I talked about it further up, is someone in the midfield breaking up that play from Arsenal. And I think Kiarte has got to be the man that does that. Um, do you think his performance, Patrick, at Everton has 
is enough to pretty much get him into the starting eleven now. Oh, he has to start. There's absolutely no doubt. Uh, you make a great point. Quickly going back to what you said about Arsenal, Xhaka's had a had a terrible season at centre midfield. In fact, they moved him to left back on Sunday. It was, like, he was ten yeah, times yeah. better than he. Ben, he's been the whole season. So that's a great point. Will finding him would be great. But yeah, Kyoto's got to start. Uh, Maya, to me, if he's not ill, has to start also. Go back to Luca. You were saying before, the way Luca's been playing, he needs someone like Maya to get the ball off of him. And, you know, we know he's going to, you know, make decent passes and, and hold on to the ball. I think one of the Luca's biggest issues is I think too much pressure on trying to make a certain type of pass, whether it be long or short, and having someone next to him who can, like, goodbye last year, take it off of him. I think Maka's not that type of player. I love Maka technically, but he's not he's not Kabai. So Maya, I think Maya's style of play, I think, fits in perfectly to what Luca's going to need. He has to play too, so Schlupp has to go to the bench. Uh going back to what you guys are talking about with the uh, Townsend and Zaha, I agree. Based on personnel, health, I'd much prefer to have Wickham start if he was healthy because of what we're gonna need, a big player up front against Arsenal. But I'm with both of you. Uh those two have to start up front because we don't we, we lack options off the bench uh, at some point. Uh, maybe Sola or Wickham come on if we're hopefully either still in the match or, uh, you know, need a goal. But um, I agree. It's just the way we're, the way things are now. If Maya doesn't start, I'm going to have a, I'm going to go ballistic on Sunday if he's fit and doesn't start because he, he and Kyoto have to play together with the Luka, of course. Um, are we buying this virus, Hesketh? Do you think it's legit? <laughs> Or do you think do you think he's fallen out with Hodgson? Wildly speculate, please. Yeah, what wildly speculating? Uh, uh, I I hope it's real. It, I mean that in the nicest possible way, Max. But I hope I hope you had a virus and you didn't like knock Roy out or something. Um, well, Sirlock went was out with one as well, wasn't he? So, um, yeah, but also another player that you know, hasn't really done it for him. A player who's sat on the bench a lot, you know, those are two of his signings that he's spent money on and put faith in. And Just wish they'd given Jeffrey Schlipp a kiss and taken him out of the team. <laughs> <isn't it? Exactly. laughs> well, um, I don't know. I, I like you, I hope it's real. I hope it's legit. And, um, you know, I just worry that Max Meyer did have two falling outs at Schalke, the final one, actually seeing him come to Palace in the end. So... I hope he's not a little troublemaker. Um, he doesn't seem like one. He seemed like a very nice, quiet, shy boy when I met him in real life. He seemed he seemed like he'll just put his head down and get on with it, whatever he's told to do. So um, hopefully that is not the case and I'm just wildly speculating. But um, Connor Wickham's where I'm going to finish. And obviously it's a huge ask. Having been out for two years, um, is he? does he still have any of his sort of pace that he had before um is he going to be worried about going in the way he used to strongly and worrying that his body might be a bit fragile is he still going to be as mobile as he once was these are all questions that obviously we're only going to know the answers to when he gets playing time but a lot of people i've seen of making fun on twitter a lot of people like to do this on social media and point out that we're pinning all of our hopes by saying this sort of thing on someone who's been out for two years but People seem to have short memories. Connor Wickham didn't get much time for us because of injuries down the train and, um, you know, he'd get seven or eight games in a row and then he'd pick up a little niggly knock and so on. But when Connor Wickham got runs in the team and stayed fit, he did a fantastic job for us. Um, people like to say he just got a guy at Everton f- uh, against Watford in the FA Cup semi-final. But 
having watched every game he played, especially away from home, especially away from home, he was brilliant at holding the ball up, bringing players into play and really occupying centre-backs, which is something that we've missed a lot since Murray has obviously left the club and gone to uh, Brighton via Bournemouth. So Connor Wickham can absolutely do a job for us and I'm just absolutely praying that his body is in a condition that he can continue to play Premier League football and hopefully we'll get to see more than a couple of minutes of him against Arsenal on Sunday. Right, we'll be back after this. Back of the Nest Match Preview Podcast www.backofthenest.com Okay, it's time for predictions. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, Ed Kellaway is uh, stuck on 14 points. He actually got one wrong last week. Can you believe it? So, um, and Albert, of all people, has closed in against him, having successfully picked 2-0 to Everton. So he's moved on to eight points. Uh, this week, absolutely everyone from the back of the nest team has gone for a defeat. Obviously, notwithstanding you two guys, who will shortly predict... Um, the poll this week, there was, there was four options this week. I feel like I needed to add in a fourth option. So rate these as I go. Gunners disarmed for a win. I think that's just self-explanatory really. That's all right. (laughs) You, (laughs) they get better. Go ahead. ahead. (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. Carry carry on, carry on. You and I will take it it. for a draw. (laughs) <laughs> we get it Unai you, Unai I got it Unai Emery <laughs> we've got to explain it get mate. it <laughs> you and I <laughs> we, we say it we say it every day uh, arse <laughs> that's just for a defeat that's mine and mate. old Damian <laughs> is for a big loss yeah I like that one <laughs> uh, so 16% went for a win 7% went for a draw uh, I mean 16% for a win so high. 24% have gone for a loss and 53% of people have gone for us getting a bit of a pasting, which um, I, I think I might have actually thought it would be higher than that. So maybe everyone's being a little bit more positive than I expected there. Um, in terms of predictions, I've got um, 3-0 from Nick. Nick suggesting it will be 2-0. Uh, at half time <laughs> and then finishing 3-0 and we'll absolutely never be in the game uh, and Nathan Jones has said another defeat on the cards with a quiet seller watching Jeff Schlupp continually concede possession with his first touch go three down <laughs> then old Roy brings on Wickham for 20 seconds at the end <laughs> so Heskiff what you got for me um, I like that last one that's good uh well, we, we haven't mentioned it this this uh, in this pod, but no home goal this season yet. Uh, I'm going to be positive and say I think we'll score. I think we'll let in four, but I think we'll score. Okay. <laughs> but but I think it will be an OG, so we we won't have scored. So four four one to okay. Arsenal. Well, this, that would be similar. If you think last season when we hadn't scored at home, uh, which is actually is that run's gone on longer at home this season than it did last season. It was obviously we turned it around in a game that no one expected us to win, and we scored an OG in that one. And then Wilfred Zaha made it two one against Chelsea. So Patrick, is this going to be the time that we turn it around? No, 
<laughs> Sam Sam must have been looking on the prediction table because I put I've got four one for the next four games. <laughs> losing, losing. I like his style, Patrick. But I will predict that I believe that Maya will score his first goal for Palace on Sunday. That's to be the only good thing about Sunday's match, and that that's I don't see anything anything less than a four one defeat. Uh, can I pick the Arsenal scorers? No, right. If you, well, uh, you can if you want. Two for Odama Yang. <laughs> One for Lacazette, and I was always going to score because he always bloody comes up and does something against us. So, yes, those well, are my, my first my, Maya getting his first goal would be sick. It would be nice. Am I right? Am Dulwich, I right? Dulwich, Dulwich, yeah, sick. I get it, sick. Yeah, I get it. That on that theory, but that theory worries me. By the way, just want to put that out there. That theory that he's fallen out would 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 Roy really really worries me. Uh, I've got in. I've got into your mind. Um, Nick Gusset has gone for five nil. The most dramatic loss from the back of the Nest podcast crew. So there you go. I am going for. I'm going for two one to Arsenal. Um, they've never had it really easy at Sellers. We've always given them a bit of a game. I don't think they've ever beaten us by more than one goal at Sellers since we got promoted back. Um, or maybe they did beat us two 0 one year, but it's always been pretty tight. I remember Glenn Murray scoring an injury time and then hitting the post in injury time to almost bring it back from 2-0 once. So I think uh, they struggle to play their flowing passing football a little bit on our smaller pitch. Um, so uh, I say that, and as I'm saying that, I'm thinking, yeah, Craven Cottage is pretty small as well. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so maybe I'm just clutching at straws. But, um, you know, it's got to come to an end at some point for Arsenal. But... Unless I don't think it'll be this weekend, but we'll give it a good old go. We'll give it a good old try, you know, the good old fashioned try. So uh, we'll be back after this. Back of the Nest Match Preview Podcast. www.backofthenest.com Right, that's it for this week. I have no idea what's going on with Hambo coming back from Vegas um, and doing any sort of shows. I'm sure some of them will happen at some point. The review show will be... Oh, maybe Sunday after the game, maybe Monday, more than likely once again to be on this show. So prepare for that next week, Heskiff. And um, <laughs> can't wait. Patrick, thank you for standing in for Albert for the second time in a couple of weeks. You're an absolute star. No worries, mate. Appreciate it. Great job again. Albert, I hope you're having a lovely break with your beautiful wife and your child. And um, Heskiff, sorry for making you two drink two beers. That's okay. I feel positive. I said we're going to score. <laughs> the booze talking. And obviously, thanks to Billiam in the background for being a button whiz and all of that. And we're sorry we've kept you late tonight, good sir. So, until next week, up the palace. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.